Hola, hello from Mexico City. I have been here for three weeks, just about, and I love it more every day. Uh, I made the decision to move here a few mo- several months ago and made the plans to move here, and now I'm here. Estoy aquí, uh, and I've been doing this podcast from Mexico City since I got here, pretty much. And I call it my Mexican mistakes because I make plenty of them. There are no shortage of mistakes on my part. Um, but I feel like something, and I want first I want to thank everybody who is listening. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And for uh, this is my sixth episode. Today is Thursday, June 20th. Um, and I, uh, you know, have gotten great feedback and comments from people, but the numbers on the episodes are going down steadily. So with every episode, I have less and less listeners, which shouldn't come as a shock because I can't believe anybody listens to these. But if you like them, if you really like them, you'd be doing me a tremendous favor by like spreading the word, telling your friends, if you're on Facebook, putting it on Facebook or Instagram or wherever you are on social media, if you're anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, try to help me spread the word because I appreciate you listening and uh, liking it. And, you know, vamos a ver, we'll see. I hope that the numbers uh, switch and start going up. But in any event, I am here to tell you a little bit more about Mexico City, a little bit more about some of the mistakes I have made here, and uh, a little bit more about my story about how I got here. So let's start off with a little bit more about Mexico City. One of the things I want to tell you about are some of the names on the stores. Now, this is not all over. I have pretty much pretty much only notice this in the part of the city they call central central it's like downtown but it's like downtown on steroids downtown on a lot of steroids it's huge central is huge and it's filled with some of the world's biggest buildings that have oddly the world's tiniest bathrooms um but that's mexico city i guess gigantic buildings and palaces, teeny tiny bathrooms. Um, But Centro is also filled with like millions of stores on very narrow streets. And the stores are just packed, packed with jewelry, stationery, hats, bags, clothing. Um, In some cases, uh, you know, liquor, uh, like wine shops. But every store is packed with merchandise. Men's clothes, women's clothes, makeup, hair products, cosmetics. Whatever whatever the product you can think of uh, that would be sold, it's sold in Centro. And uh, I've walked a lot in Centro and I've seen a lot of amazing stores. But what I love best about the stores is that they have some very strange names. For example, there's a chain of stores. I've I've probably noticed about five of them. They're women's clothing stores. They're like 
totally like Las Vegas 1970s women's clothing stores. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, you know, watch Casino. It's like the clothes Sharon Stone wore in Casino. A lot of halter dresses, um, a lot of sequins, a lot of glitter, a lot of glitz, a lot of bling. Um, very close-fitting, very dramatic clothing. And the name of the store is called Liz Minnelli, like Liza Minnelli, but without the A. Liz Minnelli. And these are some of the glitziest fashions I have seen. So the thing is this. Did they name this store brand for Liza Minnelli? Because again, it's totally like Las Vegas 70s dramatic dresses. Um, and I, I think they did. I don't think it's some weird accident that there's a, this women's clothing store that has a name that is almost Liza Minnelli, but is Liz Minnelli. But the thing is this, if they're trying to get away with this, uh, you know, like really close to Liza Minnelli, but she can't sue us because we're not saying her whole name, I think they're doing themselves a disservice. I think they should just call the store Liza Minnelli because I don't know Liza Minnelli personally, but based upon everything I've ever seen and read about her, I think Liza Minnelli would not only love these stores, I think she would embrace these stores, and I think she would shop at these stores. So I say there's no such thing as bad publicity. Put the A back into the Liz. It's Liza with an A after all. Liza with an A, Minnelli. And you see what happens. I think she would be the number one fan and promoter of these stores. And I think she'd love these clothes. So that's one weird, weirdly named store, Liz Minnelli. Another store that I saw, and I only saw one of them, thank God, but there could be more that I missed. I guess it is a makeup store, but I was in a cab and didn't uh, have a chance to really look into the window to see what they sold. But the name of the store is Latex Mascara. Now, I don't know much about science or, you know, I know something about makeup because I buy a lot of it. It doesn't seem to do much, but I am, you know, right there, you know, for the samples and the new products and everything. And I, but I don't think that latex and mascara are two things that should go together. I don't wear latex, but if I did, I would not want it to be made out of whatever mascara is made out of, which now that I say that, I'm not sure I want to know. But also, if I wearing mascara, I would not want it to be made out of latex because how could I ever get it off? And I'm not quite sure what the appeal of is a uh, what the appeal is of a store called latex mascara who is the audience latex wearers or mascara wearers maybe it's like a venn diagram and there's some common ground like not all people who wear latex wear mascara and not all people who wear mascara wear latex but some people who wear mascara also wear latex and some people who wear latex also wear mascara. 
that's about as deep into the Venn diagram as I can ever go. But my point is this. Whoever thought of this name clearly, I think, was trying to think of something different. And maybe a nice job for me in Mexico City would be to help people who want to name a store, want to brand, want to brand a store with an American name, um, but, you know, they don't want to be like a one-off. Like, I would like to talk to the people who came up with the name Latex Mascara and find out what were they going for and then take it from there. I think that's something that I can do, and I think there's a lot of weird stores or stores that have weird names but have great products, and that's just because something is lost in translation. And nobody understands being lost in translation more than me um, as I continue to not have any idea what I am talking about most of the time I am here and not having any idea where I am going most of the time when I am out walking. But I'm so busy looking down at the sidewalk that a lot of times I miss things. Anyway, to get back to weird store or business names, I'll tell you what, Mexico City has not cornered the market on it because there I'm from Chicago, as most of you know, and I have gone past a hair salon many times in Chicago, somewhere on Archer Avenue, um, Archer, the lifeblood of the Southwest Side, um, and it's a hair salon called Hair Shock. And every time I go past Hair Shock, I always think, you know, hair and shock are two words that should not go in the same sentence. It's never good if shock is associated with hair. And why anyone thought it was a good idea to name their business Hair Shock, I'd like to hear what they have to say about that. Um, so again, it's not only Mexico City that has odd names for businesses and you think maybe they really intended something else. I think, though, my favorite name here for a store that I've seen and I haven't seen anything better than is a business called Drunk School. Yes, you heard me, Drunk School. Now, before I get to what Drunk School really is, and I'm going to put up some photos uh, of Drunk School on my Facebook page later uh, so you can see it, but before I get into what drunk school is, let me tell you what it is not. Um, as many of you know, I was a prosecutor in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office for many years, and uh, we had something called drug school. I'm gone from the office. I don't know if drug school still exists, but it was meant to be a diversionary program for people who were arrested with small amounts of drugs they went to drug school as part of their sentence. And I guess if they graduated with like a B plus or better, the uh, arrest was uh, expunged from their record. I don't know. I never actually handled any drug school cases, but I do know that, you know, the joke about drug school was always drug school, where people learn how to take drugs better so you don't get caught. Um, so, you know, when I saw drunk school, I thought, is that some sort of a similarly misguided program where it, you know, it's to help people uh, who have a drinking problem? There's plenty of great programs that help people with alcohol problems, drug problems. I don't really think drug school ever 
did much for anybody except um, help people score better drugs. But that's just my opinion. Um, and so when I saw drunk school, I thought, well, maybe they mean in a very awkward way that this is a place for people um, to get together to stop drinking. But no. And out of all the things that you could guess that drunk school is, you'll never guess. I could give you all 100 million years and 100 million wishes to guess what it is, and you wouldn't guess what it is. It's like a, like a, a, not a ski shop, but like a surfboard shop. It's like in the Gidget movies when she's, you know, Gidget goes Hawaiian or even before she goes Hawaiian, when Gidget's just hanging out on the beach in Santa Monica with Moondoggy and they're all surfers and they hang out at the surfer shop where they sell surfboards and maybe puka shells and uh, like Hawaiian type shirts that I guess surfers wear and big goofy looking straw hats that I guess surfers wear and maybe bongos because in the movies surfers like to play the bongos. That's kind of what they sell at the drunk store. I don't know what the connection is. I've thought about it because I saw it like four days ago and I'm thinking about it for four days and uh, I haven't gotten over there and it was not a weird neighborhood. It was just a neighborhood in between like Centro and where I live. And so I've gone past it, but I've never made it over to that neighborhood. And before you think that that's because I'm lazy or something, if you knew what the traffic was like here, you wouldn't make a lot of extra trips. Um, you, it's, you know, I, I don't know how those Uber drivers uh, and cab drivers and bus drivers and civilians do it without losing their mind because the traffic is mind-numbing in certain parts of the city. So I haven't really felt like jumping in an Uber and taking a ride to go to the drunk school. It's a teeny tiny little business and I uh, looked it up online and yeah, it's a surf shop. I, again, I would like to know when the person decided, I'm going to call this place drunk school. Again, I think something must have been lost in translation. They had to have something dif different in mind. Um, unless um, they actually had been to drug school um, when it was up and running. And I don't know, were stoned, for, was, was still stoned from having gone to drug school, learning how to drugs take drugs better. Um, that they were so stoned that they decided to name their surf shop Drunk School. I don't know. That seems unlikely. Um, but, uh, I, you know, it's anybody's guess. So that's what I've been doing lately, just looking at the names of businesses and trying to figure out what the heck is happening, what did they mean. Okay, now, my mistake. I had two mistakes that um, I think I'd like to tell you about. One mistake I made last week, well, I guess I made them both last week, but one mistake was that I went, this is one of the days I went to Centro. I was going to, it was Monday, and I was going to the cathedral, the gigantic metropolitan, metropolitan, metropolitan I'm not even gonna try it in Spanish, Metropolitan Cathedral uh, in the Zocalo, in like what is the city center. 
And uh, if you've ever seen like movies set in Mexico City, especially that one James Bond movie and the Day of the Dead, a lot of stuff takes place at the Zocalo. It's huge. It's like if you took 10 soldiers, 10 soldier fields from Chicago, opened them up and put them right in the middle of downtown. And then people are expected to do business around them. That's what the Zocalo was like. Anyway, I was, I, it was a big day I had planned. Uh, it didn't turn out to be quite as big because I didn't realize that all the museums are closed on Monday, something I could have learned if I would have looked anything up, but I didn't. I just got an Uber and went to the cathedral and then, much to my surprise, learned after that that all the museums were closed. But there's still plenty to do. And uh, one of the other things I did was I went to the Secretaria uh, de Educación, Secretary of Education, which in Chicago we would say is the Board of Ed. And if you're from Chicago, you're probably like, why the heck did she go to the Board of Ed? Does she want to be a teacher now? No. Clearly, if you've been listening to this podcast, there is no subject I could ever teach. But I went there to that building, the Secretaria del Educación, because in that building, uh, in the gigantic courtyard, they have three stories of Diego Rivera murals just there. Like if you work there, you're just like working by the Diego Rivera murals. If you go out for a cigarette, you're smoking in front of the Diego Rivera murals. And if you go out to gossip, with your friend or complain about your boss. You're doing all of that in front of these amazing murals by Diego Rivera. And technically the building is open to the public, but they do ask you a couple of questions before you go in and then they allow people to come in and look at the murals. We have no business being in the building. We don't work there. We're just there for the murals. But to to go back a step, when I told a friend of mine that I was going to Centro, she had suggested leaving my wallet at home and just taking cash and whatever, credit card, because, um, <coughs> pardon me, they're so, uh, there's, there can be pickpockets in like in any big city. So she's like, just to be on the safe side, you have a big wallet. It's like a George Costanza wallet. Although she didn't say that, that's my analysis. But she said, you have a big wallet, better to leave the wallet at home. And it was a good idea. Um, and so I did. But I didn't, I just brought cash and a cash station card. Um, and when I went to get into the building that is the Secretaria of Educación, um, and I was asked what my business was, and I explained I was there to see the Diego Rivera murals, the police officer at the front said, may I see your identification? And I reached into my purse and then I realized I didn't have any identification because I hadn't brought my wallet. And I said, I have no identification. This set off not a panic, but a flurry of interest. And another policeman also approached when I announced I have no identification. So I started speaking in the strongest Chicago accent I could muster, which I won't even do here because it's almost painful to listen to. But I thought, well, when they heard that, they would you know, surely know 
This girl, uh, you know, doesn't mean any harm. She just has no identification. And she's clearly from Chicago with that accent. Um, and I just said that, you know, I was living here and uh, I was from Chicago and I used to be a prosecutor. And I was like tap dancing as fast as I could because I was getting the sense that it was one thing to want to get into the building with the murals. It was quite another thing to be wandering around with no identification. And uh, so then he said, you have like nothing. What about your passport? And I'm like, my passport? Like that's with my wallet at the hotel. I said, I, I showed him my phone. I don't know what I thought showing him my phone would achieve. And to be honest, it achieved nothing. I was just trying to show him some signs of stability. I didn't want to pull out the cash. Um, I pulled out the cash station card, but he wasn't interested in it. Um, and I was too afraid to push it because then I thought, what if they think I'm trying to give him a bribe? I didn't want to see the murals that badly. So then, just like in Chicago, the sergeant walked up, you know, with the white shirt. And that's how I knew he was a sergeant. And he said, what's the problem? And uh, they explained to him, I guess, that I didn't have any identification. And then the sergeant, who spoke perfect English, gracias a Dios, um, I would have settled for imperfect English with my imperfect Spanish. Um, but the sergeant said, you have no identification. And I explained to him that, you know, to avoid being pickpocketed, perhaps, I wasn't carrying my wallet, but I forgot to bring identification. And he said, you can't walk around Mexico, or I don't know if he said Mexico or Mexico City, but he said, you can't walk around without identification. What if you were to get hit by a bus? And I was like, that's my line. I didn't say that to him, but I'm the one who always says, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. It was uncanny that he brought up the same example of doom and destruction that I like to use, which is getting hit by a bus. The thing is, in Mexico City, it's very likely I'll get hit by a bus because it's so hard to cross the street. And I just found out yesterday that the buses don't have to follow the traffic signals at all. So even if you think you can go across the street, if there's a bus coming, he's not stopping. So something I wish I would have learned about three weeks ago, but, you know, gracias a Dios, no harm, no foul. But anyway, so the sergeant's like, you can't walk around without identification. He said, if you were to get hit by a bus and killed, you would be just some dead woman laying in the street. And he was right. There'd be no way to know who I was. That scared me so much. I almost didn't go in to see the murals. Like, all I wanted to do at that point was jump in an Uber and get back to the safety of my hotel and my identification. But then he goes, as soon as, after he made that pronouncement that I would be dead just laying there, some anonymous woman, and nobody would ever know who I was, then he turned to the guys that worked for him and said, okay, you can let her go now. You, you, you can go in and see the murals. I didn't have the nerve to say, no, I don't want to. I want to go back to my hotel. So I was like, oh, thank you very much. And then I went in and looked at the murals and um, wandered around a little bit, but was very careful not to trip. And I kept looking up in case anything was going to fall and hit me on the head. 
um, because I just wanted to survive long enough to get back home to my identification. And as soon as I could leave, uh, you know, without them thinking I wasted everybody's time by spending like five seconds um, with three floors of Diego Rivera murals, um, I, as soon as it was a respectable time, I left. And typically what I would have done was walked for a while, maybe out of that extremely congested area of Centro to a slightly less congested area and take an Uber from there. But no way, no way. I wasn't making a move. I stayed inside until the Uber came. And then it was like I practically tiptoed down the sidewalk to the Uber, always looking up in case any debris was falling from the sky. So um, that was a huge mistake on my part that I will not make again. Now, the next mistake that I made um, was smaller and just, I guess, funnier. Um, I don't know. I was in San Angel, um, which is like this beautiful part of Mexico City in the south that uh, has cobblestone streets and parks and plazas and markets. And it just is like a beautiful old village. And um, again, extremely tiny sidewalks, which is a recurring theme. But as I was walking down one of these sidewalks in front of a store that I guess was having its grand opening, uh, a woman said something to me in Spanish and I turned to respond, you know, like I didn't understand, could she repeat it? And when, but when she heard me speak, shockingly, she could tell um, I didn't really know Spanish that well. And she recognized my accent and said, oh, you're an American? And I said, yes. And she laughed and said, how do you like your President Trump? And I, you know, I could have talked about it all day, but when she said, how do you like your President Trump, I thought I would answer in Spanish. And so I said very dramatically, because I've learned this from telenovelas, this is a question I can answer, or so I thought. So very dramatically, I said, ah, oh, Trump, me odio. And she looked at me, and I realized, ah, I said, I hate me. So then I go, wait, wait, espera, espera, wait, wait. I said, Trump, te odio. And then she started to laugh. And I realized when I heard myself say it, I said, I hate you. So then I go, wait, 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 espera, 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 un momento. Trump, no odio. And then she applauded because I finally got it right. I hate him. Um, and so I, it was just a silly mistake but, you know, I was so overcome and overwrought by, A, you know, my extreme uh, hatred of President Trump, and B, my extreme love for being able to recite something I've heard in telenovelas very dramatically, but it got all mixed up in my head, and I had to first say, I hate me, then I hate you, and then finally I got to I hate him. And she gave me a big hug and told me to please come back to the store the next time I was in San Angel because I couldn't stick around. I had to uh, get out of there and get back to my place. Not because I didn't have identification. I just uh, had to meet a friend. Okay, so now as I have wandered around through Mexico City, I have noticed, of course, I don't know, 
like most things are very different from Chicago. Probably 90% of what I see is different from Chicago. But there is something that's remarkably similar, and that is the traffic aids. In my opinion, the traffic aids in Chicago never did anything but make traffic worse. And that's because they spend most of their time standing in an intersection talking on a cell phone to their friends. Um, and I am not a fan of traffic aids in Chicago. Now, the traffic aids in Mexico City, when you first look at them, they have these fantastic uniforms with these beautiful white little hats and uh, very fancy and sharp uh, blouses and skirts. Like, you know, they look like stewardesses from the 1970s. Um, it, they've really got a good look, the traffic aids. And I've noticed they're like perfectly made up and they have jewelry and accessories. So it's sort of like fashion models in really cute outfits directing traffic. But when you boil it down to its final analysis, they're just as bad as the traffic aids in Chicago. Because just like the traffic aids in Chicago, they are making traffic worse because they are just always on their cell phone, really not paying any attention to the traffic at all. Um, and in fact, when they do pay attention to the traffic, it seems to me that the whatever they tell people to do doesn't seem to work out. But what they have really, really mastered is they are better at ignoring people asking for their help um, than anyone I've ever seen. And I say that based upon my own personal experience because I have approached two or three of them and, you know, they're so cute and they're dressed uh, in such a cute little outfit that you just think, oh, these girls will help me. But then you realize that when you ask for help, you're interrupting what always apparently is a very important phone call. And so they will just slightly turn their shoulder just enough as if to say, do not bother me, I'm on the phone. And so even though they appear to be people who should be somewhat interested in helping the public, um, the public, I do not believe, is on their agenda at all. Um, but uh, having said that, it's like you can always find somebody else to ask for directions, and I speak from extremely personal experience because a large part of my day is taken up with asking people for directions. Um, and then I don't, but I don't know why I ask for directions because when they give me the directions, they're inevitably very fast and in Spanish, and I try to follow. And I know the word for right is derecho, but I always forget what the word for left is. And I can look it up. I know what you're thinking. Look it up. But I look it up, and for some reason, I forget it, even though I'm left-handed. It's weird. But right is derecho because it also means, like, I know my rights, derecho. So for some reason, that sticks in my head better than left. Um, and uh, I know I'll learn it, but I'll probably learn it just as I'm about to leave. But anyway, um, it's, it, I, you know, every day is an adventure here. Every day. And uh, I am happy, very happy that I made the decision to move here because I absolutely love Mexico City. I wish you could see 
the beauty of these buildings, it's, they're remarkable. Um, they're from all different times. And, you know, the high rises are, are high rises. And I think for the most part, whatever city you're in, if there's a big spanking new high rise, it's going to be sleek and modern, um, you know, and uh, it's going to look the same, I think, the worldwide. But it's the other buildings. Um, the lot the lottery building, which is like this beautiful art deco building in the middle of these extremely sleek and modern buildings there's the lottery lotto building and um i, I don't think that that lotto loses money um like, like they do in Illinois because this building looks not like a palace but it just it's like a, a stunning uh, building um and it's an entire building devoted to the lottery which tells you something. I'm not quite sure what. Um, and the palaces and the are the buildings from the 20s and buildings from the 30s and then buildings from like the 1800s. Um, everything is mixed in together and they're beautiful and the boulevards so wide uh, and like I said so wide that they sell furniture on the medians and also it takes like half an hour to cross some of the streets. But it's all part of the beauty of Mexico City. And the people are wonderful, and the food, of course, is fantastic. This morning at the hotel, because it's like a bed and breakfast, breakfast was cheese quesadillas. Cheese quesadillas for breakfast. What more could you ask for? Um, coffee, yes, of course. Orange juice, yes. But there they were, cheese quesadillas for breakfast with some pico de gallo. And it's really super fresh pico de gallo. And I'll be honest, if they put it on a shoe, I'd be like, this is the greatest shoe I ever ate. So, you know, the food is, is fantastic. Um, I want to go back to just a moment, for just a moment, to the first novella I watched all the way through, La Patrona. When we last left Gabi, and her new best friend, La Loca Mayor, the big crazy, and their guy friend, Lucho Vampa, who just faked being crazy to get into the asylum for the criminally insane. But I don't remember why he did that, because it wasn't like he was an investigative journalist. Um, maybe it had something to do with Gabi. I don't remember why he faked being crazy, but he did. And the three of them were believed to be dead after the Asylum for the Criminally Insane caught fire. Um, and it caught fire after the one-eyed and evil Dr. Gertrudis um, tried to make Gabi marry the craziest guy in the asylum who was an arsonist um, who bore a remarkable resemblance to Uncle Fester from the Adams Family. But he was bigger than Uncle Fester, like taller. And um, I don't know if this was a part of therapy or just part of Dr. Gertrudis's extremely sadistic um, everyday uh, manner, but she was forcing Gabi to marry the arsonist. And, you know, the wedding didn't go well, as you would guess. And then he set fire to the asylum for the criminally insane. And Gabi and La Loca Mayor and Lucho Vampa were believed dead. They were on the run. And while they were on the run, everybody had a turn to save each other's life. 
So that really bonded them. And then La Loca Mayor revealed that she was, I think she'd already revealed she was the wife of the senador, who was La Patrona's BFF, and they were like godparents to each other's children, and he was a senator. Um, and I think she'd already revealed that she was his wife, and he had had her locked up secretly and told everybody that he that she ran away with the tennis pro. Um, but what the senator didn't know was that La Loca Mayor had inherited bazillions from like her grandfather. And the senator knew she inherited a lot of money, but he thought he had all of the money. He didn't know that La Loca Mayor wasn't so loca and that she had taken a large chunk of her money and had hidden it from the senator. So when they escaped from the asylum, they made their way somehow to New York City and the local mayor went to the bank and got her money and then she bought a beautiful penthouse apartment on Fifth Avenue where she and Gabby and Lucho lived, but only temporarily because what they were working on was their plans to return to the teeny tiny town of San Pedro del Oro and wreak their revenge. Gabby wreaking her revenge on La Patrona and her frenemy Ereni, who seduced Gabby's boyfriend Alejandro, who was La Patrona's son, um, and uh, then got pregnant, and then they were married very unhappily. Um, so Gabby wanted to get revenge on them, and of course La Loca Mayor wanted to get revenge on her husband, the senador, and Lucho, I think, wanted to get revenge on, like, the mayor of the town. I know he was really mad at the mayor, but, you know, who isn't mad at the mayor? No matter where you are, if you're the mayor, everybody's mad at you. Um, but anyway, so in the next several weeks of the show, the three of them lived in Manhattan, and La Loca Mayor, who came from a lot of money, and was very well educated, uh, she knew that she had to turn Gabby into sort of a more better-groomed, um, better-mannered uh, young woman so that she could come back to the town and pretend to be somebody else, and they wouldn't recognize her, and they would think, you know, she was somebody else. Um, and, you know, very instrumental in that change. Yes, Gabby had to learn Chinese. I'm not sure why. Yes, Gabby had to learn which fork goes with which course. But, you know, that's not that unusual. But the thing that changed Gabby completely was that they got rid of those really bad bangs that she used to wear when she was Gabby Suarez, the little coal miner, and the bad plaid shirts and jeans. Um, Gabby learned how to talk, how to walk, um, how to wear clothes, uh, you know, how to eat, how to speak Chinese. I, it was I, That was my favorite part when she was learning how to speak Chinese. Like there was a big market for speaking Chinese in San Pedro del Oro. Better to spend your time on marksmanship and getting a bulletproof vest if you're going to return to that town. But she was. She was getting herself ready to return to the town and was going to change her appearance so much by cutting by getting rid of those bangs 
that no one was going to recognize her. And yes, she came back to the town when the time was right, and she had gotten rid of those bangs, and that really was the only thing she did to change her appearance. I mean, yes, she wore better clothes. Yes, she wore more artfully applied makeup. Um, yes or no, she didn't challenge everybody to a fist fight like she used to do when she was Gabby. But really, outside of like brushing her bangs to the side, like letting them get longer and then brushing her bangs to the side, her physical appearance really didn't change. And yet, when she made her appearance in the town as Veronica Dantes, um, you know, claiming she was not Gabby, never brought Gabby up. But when she moved into the town um, as this wealthy benefactor, uh, Veronica Dantes, uh, only one person said, you know, she kind of looks like Gabby Suarez, and that was La Patrona, because you can't fool La Patrona. But believe me, Gabby did for a long time. But everybody else in the town acted like, oh, she does kind of look like Gabby, but Gabby's dead. She looked exactly like Gabby. It was the same actress. There had been no plastic surgery, just a bang change. So that shows you really a bang change can make all the difference. Anyway, when we meet again, I will tell you all about what Veronica slash Gabby did when she got back to that tiny town of San Pedro del Oro. Until then, uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast. I hope you share them with your friends and tell your friends about them so my numbers don't continue to keep going down because if they keep going down, I, you know, I could just, I guess, call like the six people who are listening. It might be easier. Um, and I could just answer questions directly. Um, but seriously, I'd like to keep this going, um, but I need, I, I could use some more. I, I don't like to see the numbers go down. I don't need any more listeners than I had with that first podcast. I was really thrilled. But to see the numbers go down with every podcast is sort of disheartening. Maybe it's what I deserve. I don't know. Um, But thank you for listening. Share it with your friends. Tell your friends about it. And I will see you next time. Ciao.